Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast for Real Life Church Pullman. We exist to help people know and become like Jesus. Hey, uh, you can see we're doing something a little bit different this morning, right? We're, uh, we've got some guests up here. I'll tell you more about that and uh, kind of why we're doing what we're doing. But um, I just want to say, one, thanks for coming. If you're new with us, we love it that you are here with us, and we're uh, excited to spend some time together. If you're a regular, then you know that for the last five weeks, we've been going through the book of Titus and unpacking what Paul wrote to Titus in that letter And as we went through that letter, we've been really zeroing in and learning some specific things. Like Paul was writing a letter to Titus, who was going to be kind of like the the main guy to go throughout the island of Crete, those 3,000 square miles of rugged territory, to find pockets of local believers, and then to sort of put things in order, identify elders, talk about the importance of mentoring and discipleship. And those are some of the things that we really unpacked through that series. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to circle back to the topics that we learned about over the last five weeks, like what really is church? And we're going to talk about the uh, importance of eldership and what does it look like or mean to be an elder. We're going to talk about discipleship and mentoring and the power of association and influence. The things that we learned over the last five weeks, we're going to kind of draw them out instead of looking at, like we have been, looking at God's word, looking at the, the scripture in context. Now we're going to kind of bring it forward and talk about those same topics, except with people that have some kind of personal testimonies or personal experience with those different sections that we learned about. And so this morning, we're going to kick it off by talking about church, which is where we sort of started this Titus series. We talked about how the church is bigger than just a building, and it's not about just a denomination. It's not about just a a brand, if you will, that the big C church, all believers that follow Jesus everywhere, we're a part of the church, the body of Christ. And then that the way some church people will talk about it is like big C church, and it, it gets wrongly sort of labeled corporate church, which gives people a bad taste. Really, when people say big C church, they mean all believers everywhere around the planet. We're all a part of the body of Christ. And then people will say little C church, and they're referring to the idea of small local gatherings or independent churches, if you will. And that's really what Titus was doing on Crete, was going to find all the little C churches, all those local pockets of believers. And so it's one thing to learn about that in the scripture, to talk about it and to sort of nod with our mind, like in agreement in our head. Yep, everybody that follows Jesus is a believer and they're all part of the same church. It's a little bit different to actually like talk about what is it, act, what is, how does that play out in our own personal life? You know, it's one thing to know about it. It's another thing to sort of live out that the church is bigger than a building or a brand or a denomination. And so, uh, Carolyn, uh, oh, speaking of, real quick, just so I don't miss this part, on your sermon notes, on the back side of them, the front, some announcements on the back is introductions for everybody that we have up here. And I just want to point you to that because uh, for the sake of time, we're sort of just going to dive into the topics but you'll get a chance to get to know a little bit of these uh, folks and their background and uh, some more of their story with the intros and the sermon notes. And so we're going to jump in with Carolyn because I do know some of your story. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about is 
when you think back on your life, um, having a lot of experience being at different churches over the years, um, being a part of a church school, um, just as you navigated that and have family and friends in different churches, like how was what's what's that shown you? Like, what is your experience? What do you think is uh, like things that we need to glean or learn from as a person that like your life has sort of modeled like there's more than one church as far as buildings or locations. What, what sort of stuck sticks out to you uh, that you would think would be uh, good for us to learn from you? Okay, so yeah, you'll see in my bio that I was involved in probably over a hundred churches growing up. My parents were always searching for the perfect church, which every time we showed up, it was no longer perfect, even if it started out that way. And uh, I grew up with a lot of friends from all different churches, denominations, and we would have great debates and conversations to realize that the church is bigger. It's not this church means we don't have all the answers for life. No church does, but we we do have answers. The church is the people, and so it's going to be messy and beautiful at the same time. And uh, I think I would glean what I've I, my my thinking has kind of evolved. I grew up in a place where there was some, you know, you obey the rules, do it right, you'll make it to heaven. If you don't, well. So I, I was a, the per, my personality was like I'm going to be perfect, and I was pretty darn close to being perfect until I realized I really was far away from being perfect. But um, you know, my brother, he I didn't share this before, but my brother um, had a mental illness, which we didn't even know about till a couple of years ago. But he his image of church growing up was hell and damnation, and the devil's going to come get you and be scared. And I'd have to say I probably had a little of that growing up too. But now he and I can have beautiful conversations because my image of what church is and what God wants us to believe is not do well enough and you can be accepted and loved by me, but it's live life and know that uh, I created you. Every single human we come across on this earth is created in his image. We may not be walking that way, but there's probably a redemptive part in every person that we come across. So look for that redemptive part in the person you're interacting with. I, I would I struggle with trying to share the gospel with people because it was, you know, you're, you're a sinner and you need a savior. And now it's, God created you. You are beautiful and accepted now. And he, he wants you to partner with him. And he's a great God. I'd love to share about my God because... To me, I can do that. That's a positive way I can approach somebody. My brother, um, because he had that image, has kind of been a seeker, and he's gone to all different religions. He was talking to me about the Buddhist religion the other day and was talking about uh, the, the priest seeking peace. And I was able to go, you know, that's so cool that they have a handle on that part of God because God is a God of peace. And my God, you know, I'd love to share what my God is like now. I know what we had growing up, but my God truly is a God that draws us in and helps us have peace. It's just been a beautiful opportunity to share with him. So the other thing I would take away is I'm not defined by my sin or my wickedness, and I'm not destined for hell, but I am his partner. No, that's really good. Those are some really cool insights. Um, I guess I would just ask also, like, 
I'm sure there are people here that are trying to figure out if this is the spot for them or, or have friends or family that they care about that are, uh, you know, looking for a church or, you know, as we call it these days, church shopping. That makes it sound sort of cheesy, but maybe just genuinely bouncing around trying to find a spot that you fit. And so if people are looking uh, for a church, what would you say to them? You've got some reps under your belt <laughs> visiting a few churches. Wisdom would you give? First of all, you're not going to find perfection in the church. Every church has great strengths and every church has its flaws. So the focus needs to be not what can I get out of church, but what, what, there's people in every church. Find a church where you can connect with people and find the good in every single person, even if it's easy to go, oh, I don't know if I want to meet that person, but it's amazing if you meet people how wonderful they are because they're created in God's image. So I would say um, look for a place where you, a lot of people go based on where their friends go. That's great. Go somewhere where you have people that are, you can build up and encourage and strengthen and, and also where they can do the same for you because we all go through good times and rough times and we need to have our family and that would be the church. And I would say love God and love others well and Look for the best. Just one more quick story. I, I didn't put this in my bio, but I was also a teacher, not a teacher, I was a disciplinarian, if, if you want to call me that. That's what my name said on the door. But it was in middle school, and the kids would come, they'd get in trouble, they'd get sent down, and they'd say, Oh, I'm such a bad person. I go, I don't have bad kids in my room. I have kids that maybe made a choice that wasn't the best for them, and we're going to learn how to make better choices. So they go, Well, how come you're so nice? Why would they hire somebody so nice? I'd go, Well, I can be mean about it, or I can be kind about it, but you still need to figure out a better way. So you decide what, how you'd want me to approach it. So treat people well, love them well, and just know that God is a good God. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I think it's just really helpful for us to hear uh, from somebody's perspective that's just walked through navigating, like kind of fleshing out what is church really, and what are you looking for, and I appreciate you sharing those things. Um, we also talked a lot in this series about the importance of eldership, and we talked about how in there Paul wrote to Titus some descriptions for what he was looking for in an elder, and it was it, it, that letter, but also in Timothy, and, and Paul talks about this picture of uh, godly men who are walking the walk, like they have a kind of a 360 degree, like if you look at all parts of their life, their home life, their work life, their private life, like they're... They're living it out. Their faith is alive and real, and, and um, there's a, they have a reputation of living it out. And he's to, he told him to go and look for those kind of men to appoint as elders or overseers of these local bodies of churches, the little small C churches, wherever there's a pocket of believers, um, to find someone to shepherd and oversee as an elder of that church. And so it's one thing to learn about it. Again, it's another thing to kind of talk about, like, how does it come into play in our church? How do we practice that? And so ask Cornelius to come up and, and we'll kind of pick his brain a little bit because Cornelius has been in this process here for quite some time going through a, a, an elder training process for uh, to become an elder here at Real Life. And so I just wanted to kind of put you on the spot and ask you, like, um, just to help, uh, to help people here, um, maybe here, 
what was that like? Was that a process that you were seeking out? Were you looking to be an elder? Did somebody track you down? Like, how, how did you ever even get in this process? Well, um, thank you. Um, it's not a process I seek out. I wouldn't have in a million years uh, seek out to be an elder because I don't consider myself um, I consider myself a very young person. Uh, when I look at a picture of somebody being an elder, um, I didn't see myself in that picture. So it was, uh, it's something that um, I was asked about. Uh, and I think that's actually one of the questions I asked. Okay, why me? Um, um, uh, in one way or another. So it wasn't something that I seek out. Gotcha. And, and for... Um for some of you behind the scenes to know, uh, we were, as an eldership, we're always praying and, and asking God for direction on potential elders and who God might have as a, to be involved in the leadership of our church. And as we were praying, um, Cornelius is one of the guys that came to mind. And so we did seek him out and ask him to pray about it. And so, um, again, just putting you on the spot a little bit, but like, I think it's helpful to talk this out out loud so other people can sort of hear some of the behind the scenes. But why? What do you think was going on in your life that put you in the spot where our eldership went? Hey, there's a guy. Like, why do you think we would have asked you? Yeah, um, that was actually a major thing I could remember then um, that I asked back there. Why me? Um, and I had to discuss with my wife. I have to talk with people in my life. I have to pray about it. Uh, what kept coming back and coming back is I uh, got reminded about the kind of people that Jesus called. Because I didn't consider myself perfect in any way or even super qualified. I have things that I'm going through. Uh, and I also look at my, the stage I am. Uh, I'm a young parent. Um, that have a, a new complaint and we put it together with so many things going on in my life. Um, but I then got reminded that Jesus put different people that weren't perfect. He called them. Uh, one of them was a task collector. Another was a fisherman. Another was a zealot. Another a, a saint. Different people that he called and what he was looking for is people that made themselves available. And that kept bringing in my, in, my, in my brain as I was praying about it, um, that make yourself available, uh, especially in the way that I've been trained, grown up. Um, at the time of giving my life to Christ, uh, what that meant to me is my life is no longer mine. Uh, my time is no longer my time. My talent is no longer my talent. It's for God to be used. It, it's something that I've surrendered to him and then listen to him on how you want to use it, whether it's in my choice of career, uh, in how I use my time, or whether in how I relate with my coworkers or people that I work with in different ways. And that has been a major tenet on my life and on my journey um, over the so many years right now in my work with Christ. Yeah. And so now you know why we picked him um, or why we uh, asked him to pray and, and jump in this process, like um, just watching that, you know, and, and as anybody that knows you, we see it show up in your life, right? How you're 
trying to genuinely uh, just live a life that is uh, open to wherever God's leading and however God wants to use you. And I think that's a pretty, pretty amazing thing. And so I also just wanted to ask you about like, uh, and mention like some of you, some of you may know, most of you probably have no idea what is actually involved in being an elder of a church. And it's, uh, if you've ever been on any kind of a board uh, of any organization, there's that part of it. And then it is, it's that plus a lot. Uh, it's a huge, not only time and energy and talent commitment to serve as an elder, but it's a huge spiritual commitment to take on uh, the responsibility to pray for and shepherd and, and oversee and love and care for um, uh, sick and hurting and sometimes missing and sometimes challenging people and circumstances. It's quite a sacrifice. And so um, I know some of your story and that you have been a part of church for a long time and you do know some of the behind the scenes and, and as you've been going through this process, knowing all of that, like that it, it's, it's no small commitment. I just wanted to give you a chance to share like kind of your why, like your heart behind what, knowing what you're getting into, at least as much as you can, uh, knowing what's ahead, like why would you want to do it? Yeah. Um, one of the things I would love to maybe stress a little bit more uh, before getting to um, that why, it, it's on that concept of availability uh, rather than being super qualified. Uh, and I've seen that theme over and over and over again in the scripture. Uh, whether it's Abraham, whether it's Moses, whether it's all through the scripture. Um, uh, and, and that was really part of how I grew up. I grew up with my grandma, and it's always ringing that in my, um, in my, as, as I grew up. Um, just make yourself available to him. Um, and don't really strive to be perfect because, like Caroline said earlier on, uh, God has never called us to be perfect, uh, just to make ourselves available. And that becomes core part of almost everything in my life. Whether it's actually even coming to the United States um, at the time, it doesn't make sense for me to. It's more or less like sacrificing everything um, that I had, that I was building, just for the service of something greater than me uh, in that work with, with God. Um, so that has been the core part of why of everything for me. So when the call to be an editor in training also comes in, um, I struggle uh, with it, especially considering the time commitment and also the spiritual commitment and so many things going on. Um, uh, but that why, which my wife also you know, reminds me also from time to time, um, that, okay, how is this really different from why we are doing this? How is this different from why we are working on what we are working on? How is it different on why you are taking this kind of job and not this other kind of job? And as we begin to pray more and more, it begins, yeah, it's another call to make uh, my life available for service and for to be used by God in different ways. I don't know what that journey is going to look like. I don't know where it's going to lead me. But when I look at how, um, at a critical point in my life, things have worked out, things that I couldn't imagine, that every time I made myself available, 
I see God doing things that there is no way I could have calculated it or, or see where it's going to lead. Um, and that's the same thing uh, on why that call um, as the why. That, okay, yeah, here I am. Um, up to you, God. That's uh, super good. I really appreciate you sharing that, and and um, it's just one of those things where it, we can learn about it. We can read a book like Titus, and we can learn about what Paul says to Titus, and we can imagine the hypothetical questions Titus might have with possible elders. What might that conversation look like? And and I think it's important that we do dig into the scripture and we chew on the context. I also think this is really valuable to hear how does the scripture play out today in our circumstances. And so I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, we also talked a lot about um, discipleship. And, you know, a couple weeks ago, and not only just in Titus, we talk about discipleship often as a church. The fact that that all of us are, are to be a disciple and our commission as believers is to go and make disciples. That's a core, you know, fundamental belief of our church is that we want people to be growing as disciples of Jesus. And then when we looked at this Titus letter, um, we kind of turned up the heat on it a little bit. Like, he talks about the importance of older men and older women investing in the younger men and the younger women and that the younger people are making themselves available and the older people are really mentoring and investing. And And at one point in this series over this last several weeks, I really kind of challenged everybody, like, where do you want to be a disciple or make a disciple? What do you think is the right next thing? And, and we've got a number of people that are engaging in that and following through on it, which is really, really cool. And so... Um, I know Kermit really well, and as we were talking about this, I thought, man, this would be a, a really cool opportunity because I know some of your story and how important discipleship has been for you as a, a husband, as a guy, as a friend, as a, a Christ follower. And so I just wanted to ask you, like, where you're at in life, looking back, um, how has uh, having mentors, like, not just nice guys checking on you but like jesus mentors like bible focused mentor disciple makers in your life how's that shaped or or helped your life i mean what 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 part have those kind of guys played in your story well thank you thad um you know the simple answer to that is it's important it's probably the one thing that makes you grow makes the church grow makes us become vital um without it I have a tendency to go the other way and float down if I don't have those people in my life. <clears throat> so the whole, the whole concept of disciples really scares me, you know, and I said this first service, the Kermit the disciple, you know, it just doesn't buy on me. And so real life gave me a nugget several years ago, and they said, Kermit, just walk alongside. <clears throat> and I love that concept where you just walk alongside somebody and share your life, share your stories, and encourage each other. And so I'll be using that term. Uh, I guess it's a safety net for me. But, you know, throughout history, that's why we study history, is so that we learn. We don't make the same mistakes as we did before in the past. That's why we have older men for me, older women for some of you, so that we can learn from them so we don't make the same mistakes as they did. And it's so critical, and they can watch us and guide us. If you look around the room, I think you're going to see that there's except for me, there's somebody younger than you. <laughs> so it, it actually says all of us 
to be disciples. So my story really starts when I was 15 in a little tiny church. If you went to Walla Walla, there's a little tiny Bible church that sits right on the highway where one of my pastor coaches asked me if I wanted to accept Christ. And I'd been in the church all my life, but I'd never been asked that question. And so I accepted Christ that night. And I had two coaches watch me, encourage me, walk alongside of me through high school. Well, then my first job at a little town called Bickleton, I had a really good friend who was a little bit older than me that walked alongside of me and encouraged me. Okay, And then it wasn't until I came to Pullman where I met a man named Charlie Couch and then who was my disciple or my mentor, Tom Mays. <clears throat> and so those two guys encouraged me and walked alongside of me. It's interesting, when Thad asked me this, I could look and I could see my growth periods. They were so accurate. Because in between each one of those, there was a slow drop-off, a real gradual, deceptive drop-off. And not notice it, really didn't, but it was there. And so um, that is something I would encourage you to do, to make sure you have people in your life so that they are being discipled. I would like to share a, a verse from Hebrews that has been really important to me. And, and this is Hebrews 10, 23, 24, and 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate, and I'll say that again, how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and for all the more as you are the day of drawing near. And I want to look at the word stimulate. Because when I read it, the first word that jumped out in my mind was itch. And I thought, itch, really? Yeah, itch. And, you know, when you have an itch, you want to scratch it. And so, maybe that's just old people, I don't know. But, um, you know, as we, as we, as I'm walking alongside, and I have been walked alongside, and as I do it now with other men, I want to do something in their life that just makes them want to scratch. And, and I think it's so critical to see. and to, uh, So as you walk this walk, look for an opportunity to stimulate somebody or to get them to scratch, possibly. Yeah, that's really good. Um, just, I really appreciate you sharing those things. And, and as we're talking, one of the things I, I, I know for sure is there's always people on the fence when it comes to discipleship. And the idea of like really getting, getting past that awkward, how do, it's, it's almost like asking somebody out on a date, but not quite. Like, hey, will you invest in me? Will you mentor me? And they're like, well, I don't know. What does that entail? And you're like, I don't really know either, but I think I'm supposed to have one of you. And that's how it starts, right? Like that. Like, and so I know there's people always on the fence about that. Like, Sounds nice, the later part, but like uh, I'm a little nervous and I don't know if I'm really up for it. Like, So if, you, if there is anybody on the fence or they know a friend or family member they know is really on the fence, like you've been at this a while and have the benefit of a lot of 2020 hindsight in a really good way, 
What would you say to people that are still wondering, like, if they should pursue this? Well, the fence is not a comfortable place to be, you know, and that's why you're on the fence. And so, but what I, what I would encourage you to do, and I've had this with students, I'm a retired school teacher, um, blessed to have done that. And, um, but I've asked kids before, you know, to, to figure out what really drives them, what's their number one nugget. So as a Christian, what I would say to you is, Take your faith, take what you do, what you believe, and go into a room and sit and just contemplate and think about it and see what, what's there. If you come out and you're content with that and you're happy with that and you feel that's a good place, that's good. If not, then you need to find the discipler. You need to find somebody to walk alongside of you. Because my story, and I'm, I'm not sure that I'm unique that if you're in that spot, there's a pretty good chance you're going this way. And being comfortable, you know, if you're comfortable in your faith, I don't know that it's a good place either. You know, we, we need to be challenging each other. I need guys around me to say, Kermit, you need to, you might want to check into doing this or, or work on this, or maybe you should go stack tables for a while or work Sunday school, you know, so... I've been blessed. I'm a blessed man. I have been a school teacher, and I love my kids. I coached. It was I couldn't add it better, you know. But there's something unique about walking with somebody and seeing their life change, and seeking God, and they're touching their families, and their families being put back together that you can't imagine. And I I look back with my story, and I go, how can God use me? And He does. He just wants you to simply walk alongside somebody. So That's such a cool thing. And, and I know from uh, experience and from listening to you and Jolene and just how many times you have done that, come alongside people and walked with them. And, and not always, but very often get to have the beautiful reward of a, a very changed life just because you're committed, just because you're hanging in there with them and keep walking with them and don't quit. And uh, I really appreciate that. Thanks for sharing that. Um, the other thing we talked about in this letter from Paul to Titus is about good deeds. And then last week we sort of unpacked that, that there's some things that if we'll focus on that will lead us to the right kind of good deeds. Instead of trying to find a checklist of the right stuff to do, it's important that we really remember that what we learn really matters, um, who we're listening to, and what we're thinking, and particularly this area of who we're listening to and the association or influences on us, they're a really big deal. And so as we were thinking about that, um, Aiden and I uh, have been hanging out and getting to know each other this year, and a couple of our coffee conversations just sort of felt like, man, I think that there's some stuff going on in your life would be really cool for you to speak in this particular area about influence and who you hang out with. And and so I just want to just uh, ask you to just be, you know, transparent and, you know, for you and your walk, um, what's it been like? I mean, do you actually think that bears true that who you hang out with has a big impact on what you do or not so much? What do you think? Uh, from my personal experience, I would say very much so. Um, the last few or a couple semesters of school, I've kind of gone through a couple different seasons where one, I was heavily invested and heavily involved with, um, friends and relationships that were, you know, God first, God, uh, you know, focused on a relationship with Jesus. 
And the latter was one where kind of I've just been going it alone, you know, focusing more on or, or going where, you know, I felt most pursued, most sought after. Um, and in the form, though, the first one where I was hanging out with a lot or investing in, in, in people who were focused more on God, I definitely had a relationship. I felt more connect, connected and um, just strong in my relationship with the Lord. And the second one, I didn't, you know, I've kind of, as Kermit, as Kermit was saying, kind of felt my relationship slipping a little bit. I wouldn't say, you know, in a bad way, but definitely in a noticeable way that my, my relationship with the Lord has, has um, felt an effect. Yeah. That's surprising, you know, it's like old guy, young guy, same truth. Um, kind of funny how that works, right? Pretty, pretty good stuff. Um, you guys can figure out who's old and young. Um, but you mentioned something in there, like uh, this idea of being pursued. And that, one of the things I wanted to like, kind of lean in and ask you about is, who do you find is pursuing you like if 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 association and who we hang out with really affects our walk and our faith then i'm curious in just your experience do you find that you're mo- like pursued a lot by sort of team jesus people that are making it easy for you to sort of kind of stay growing or do you find that it's a lot of people that i'm not saying are evil people by any means but just they're pursuing you in relationship and inviting you to just regular fun stuff that maybe doesn't have anything to do with God. Like, which, where do you feel like is the people that are making it the easiest for you to go and be with them? Uh, I would say that kind of like like before, you know, just leaning on that idea of seasons. There's definitely seasons for both, um, but you know, there's opportunities. There's a lot of opportunities being in college, being young. You know, it's easy to find other things to do. Um, in the most recent season, I, I'll be honest, it's been, I felt most pursued by, you know, more average, you know, I don't want to say average people in a bad way, but not, um, people that are seeking the Lord as their first thought. But, um, so, you know, partying is still fun and, you know, going to the gym, doing that kind of stuff. But, um, again, I would say that's in seasons. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I know I'm putting you on the spot. We've been hanging out quite a bit, so I feel pretty comfortable putting him on the spot So, um, and making him uncomfortable because it's fun. Um, it's what I do with people I love. Um, so uh, just let's flush that out a little bit. Like, I don't know, just again, being real from your own perspective, like how important is it um, that kind of, you know, us, church people, the people that believe in God, like, how important is it that we are doing some pursuing? You know, does it matter a lot? Does it not matter a lot? Like, what, you know, speaking from your just kind of real perspective, you're wrestling with both people kind of pursuing you. Would it be better if more Jesus people were making it easier for you? Like, what, what do you think? Uh, I would say 100%. Um, it's nice to be invited to things, you know. If, if you're getting invited, then people want you there. So, um, it, while while it's nice to be with people that are like minded, it's also nice to be where you're wanted. So, um, on the side of Jesus people, as you said, I would say that it, it's nice to have people to hold you accountable, but it's also just nice to have people to do life with. So, when I'm doing life with people that are like minded, it's not necessarily that I'm, you know, focused on doing not good things. It's that I just now I'm thinking about 
my relationship with the Lord and, and kind of pursuing that with people that are pursuing it as well. Um, so it definitely makes it easier. It makes it um, more of the focus. And I don't feel like I, you know, like I have to work so hard to get to, for that to be where I'm at. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. So I, I love that last little nugget that you just dropped right there. There's something about like if we as believers are pursuing people, the people that, we, that are on the receiving end of our pursuit, we're actually making it easier for them to kind of stay close with the Lord just by association, like not even having any answers, just like Kermit said, walking alongside. Um, and so I think that's a pretty cool thing. So, hey, I, I just want to say thanks to everybody for uh, sharing and being transparent and real this morning. And uh, some people were asking me first service about like if that was rehearsed and it, none of these people knew what the other person was going to say. So that, that was just real. Um, and just popping into topics that we've been digging into in the scripture and bringing them to life and just some of our everyday folks. So I really appreciate you guys being transparent and sharing. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by going to rlcpullman.com or by following us on Facebook or YouTube. Until next time, have a great week.